Peace definitely is experienced. I feel like when you're in nature, I don't care who you are, it does just provide a therapy to uh, be outside in nature and cultivating something. We have to have cold weather a certain amount of hours, uh, 700 to 800 hours below 45 degrees, uh, you know, to maintain uh, the ability to, to make a crop. Well, you know, you can really find yourself if you're out there in that strawberry field working, pulling weeds or whatever you got to do. Yeah, you get, you can, you can be with yourself out there. It's peaceful um, having that, having that to go to every day to just reflect and uh, nothing else be by yourself for a little while. You, you sort of have to observe it on a regular basis, but it's just really a neat thing to watch uh, fruit develop. I mean, it's just, it's just a very peaceful thing to do. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television. Thank you for tuning in today. For those of you who are in the room, would you please give a big hand to our online television audience. I want to encourage you as we get started this morning to stay connected and up to date as we go through the summer. One of the ways you can do, do that is through our newsletter. Uh, and if you are not signed up for our newsletter, you can find that at www.fraser.church/enews. And uh, if that is too long for you to remember, if you'll just look around the campus, there are posters for different ways on different social media platforms that you can stay connected to us. Also, if you signed up for that somewhere along the way and somehow you're not getting it, check your junk mail. Uh, it may have populated to there, and you can make those adjustments on your end. Uh, what I want to do this morning is what we do every morning uh, that we have worship, and that is pause. And as we pray for ourselves to open up God's Word, that is pray for another church in the River Region. And today I want us to pray for New Canaan Missionary Baptist Church just right down the road here on Atlanta Highway. They have been on Atlanta Highway since 1881. 1881. They predate us, obviously, and they're Pastor Jerry Iverson. So let's lift them up as we dive into God's Word this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you in this moment. We are so thankful for your presence in this place. The name of Jesus is declared here. And when that is declared, chains are broken, people are set free. And Lord, we pray that for not only this place, but also New Canaan Missionary Baptist Church. Lord, we pray that you would be with their members Lord, you, we pray that you would continue to help them build the kingdom. We pray that you would be with Pastor Jerry. Lord, would you bless him and the leadership as they continue, continue to advance your cause, your gospel in the world. And now, Lord, would you speak to us? Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Help us see Christ, just Christ. Through Christ we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. We find ourselves in a summer series entitled Sustain, where we're talking about what it means to nurture a fruitful life. I'm so thankful for the companion to this study that Dr. Jeffcoat has done. Many people are using this. We have churches a couple of hundred miles away who are actually using the study uh, that Dr. Jeffcoat wrote for us. So thank you for joining in in that way throughout the summer. Today's topic centers around something we all want. It's something we are all looking for. It's something we all long for, and that is peace. Peace. Question is, do you really have peace? Do you have God's kind of peace? 
Do you have God's peace? We spend truckloads of money every year trying to buy it. We travel far and wide in search of it. We make drastic decisions in our life, hoping that those changes that we make will bring it. Jesus calls us to it. He commands it in us. He gives it to us, and yet we struggle with it so much, don't we? We struggle with this thing called peace. Peace operates in our life, and it functions as a trinity, if you will. God loves doing things in threes, just as we are called to uh, live out the two greatest commandments that have three components, to love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here in peace, we are called to this, these three components of peace that we're going to be talking about this morning. If you're sitting there wondering why Kelly's sitting to my left and your right, because she's going to be helping me with this message. But all three of these things are interconnected. They all go together. And what I want you to hear me say clearly this morning is that if one component of God's peace is off or out of sorts in your life, the rest will be. Please hear me there. If one part or one component of God's peace is off or out of sorts in your life, the rest will be. It will affect the whole and it will affect the peace that you live in and walk in every day. But as we talk about peace, I think we have to start with differentiating between two very important things, and that is peace with God and the peace of God. So if you'd like to take notes, point number one this morning is simply this. It is that peace with God, with God, comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. Peace with God, okay? comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by faith, we have peace with God, there's our phrase, because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. The testimony throughout the ages, the testimony throughout history, both biblical testimony and historical testimony tells us that we cannot have peace and peace cannot permeate our life until we first put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing, everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. The question is, what do you put your faith in? Who do you put your faith in? But everyone has it. We all believe something, and we all believe in something. I believe one of the most fundamental questions of life are the, is that question that Jesus looked into the eyes of his first followers and asked them one day when he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I know what other people say about me, but the question is, who do you say that I am? He's asking them, who are you putting your faith in? Do you really understand who I am as Savior and Lord? And is your faith really directed toward me? I really believe that if we're going to have heavenly peace, we have to direct our faith toward our heavenly Father. But so many times what we do is we look to the external and not the eternal for peace. So many times we look to the external and not the eternal for peace. Peace is not found in a what. Peace is found in a who. Peace is not found in a what. Peace is found in a who. Peace is not found in what Christians do. It's not in the doing that brings peace. But instead, it's in who they seek through what they do. That's why someone named Watchman Nee said this. He said, a born-again person, a born-again, someone who's born into the kingdom, a born-again person ought to possess unspeakable peace in the spirit, in the spirit. The kind of peace that we're talking about here is the kind of peace that transcends our earthly context and brings us into a heavenly reality here 
and now. And it all starts with having peace with God through putting our faith in Jesus Christ. It has to start there. But once we do that, once we do that, once we put our faith in Jesus, as Romans 5 tells us, once we put our faith in Jesus and we have peace with God, that is when we are empowered to walk in to live out the peace of God, which is point number two. And point number two is that the peace of God comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And talk about that point, I'm going to ask Kelly over. Give her a big hand. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. And I would want to start this morning by just saying thank you for letting me come and share my heart with you about having the peace of God. Praise the Lord that we can have peace with God through our relationship with Jesus, that we are no longer enemies of Christ. He counts us as sons and daughters. He willingly chose the cross. He tore the veil that we could be with him in eternity one day and live in perfect peace. But what about the here and now? Can we live in perfect peace in a world that is decidedly not peaceful? Did anybody else just live through 2020? Where's the peace? And not just that, we all have situations in our life that lack in peace. Can we have peace in a world where things don't go our way? We might be tempted to think, especially as new believers, that we've said the amen. Now I am a daughter or a son of the Lord God, and the peace of God means that he's going to make my life perfect. He is going to give me health and wealth and prosperity. He is definitely going to take those difficult people right out of my life, and he is going to give me peace. But it doesn't take being a Christian long to know that that is not what having the peace of God means. Jesus himself said in John 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So if it isn't the peace of God making your life perfect, what does it mean to live a life with the peace of God? Well, it isn't based on our circumstances. It is based, as Chris said, on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Lord reminded me of this lesson yet again. Like the Old Testament Israelites, sometimes we need reminding. My husband and I took our family to the beach just a few weeks ago. We look forward to this trip all year long. In fact, I'm often trying to plan the next year's trip before we're even back from the current year's trip. That is how much I love being at the beach. And I was looking forward to this trip. I was so hopeful that I would get to sit out in the mornings with an actually hot cup of coffee, and I would look out at the horizon and spend time in scripture and prayer and just be in the beauty of God's creation, or get to sit at the water's edge and listen to some worship music and just feel the breeze and hear the waves roll in and and finally, have some peace. Well, this wasn't really a vacation. And if you know me personally, you know why I'm putting the word vacation in air quotes. And if you don't, let me clue you in. I am the mother of four young children. My children range from a brand new eight-year-old all the way down to a just new eight-month-old. And those last two children came only 16 months apart, which means we have two in elementary school, a toddler, and an infant. We have two in diapers, two in cribs, two crawling around and toddling around, making messes and trying to kill themselves because honestly, they just don't know how to not kill themselves yet. And so I returned from my beach vacation even more exhausted than when I went. And I sat in prayer as I prepared for today, and I said, well, God, I didn't get the peace I was looking for. And he reminded me yet again, daughter, it isn't your circumstances that bring you peace. 
It is me. I am your peace. It is your relationship with me. It is abiding with me. So what does that look like? How do we have this growing relationship with the Lord that brings us this peace? Let's turn to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to start with a little two-word blib in the middle of this verse. We might just read right past it, but I believe it's very important. And that is, with thanksgiving. I believe we need to posture our hearts with gratitude. Or as I like to tell my oldest uh, children, we need attitudes of gratitude, y'all. What is it that plays throughout your mind throughout the day? Are you running a record of all the things that are not the way that you want them to be? All the prayers that God has not yet answered? All the people that you wish would just act right? Or are you circling a record of thanks to God? So instead, for example, of me focusing on the multiple times I was up throughout the night on my vacation, or the messes I had to clean, or the fights that may or may not have happened between my two oldest children, I focused on the safe travels there and back, on the beautiful weather that God gifted us with, and for the blessing of being the mama of these four precious children. So let us purpose each day to change the tune. It may feel awkward at first, but I promise you, the more you practice, the more second nature it becomes. Let's continue reading in Philippians. Paul continues in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We must keep our eyes above on the things of God. We must abide in him and remain in him. There are three things, three habits of the faith that help us to abide in our relationship with Jesus every day. The first would be to stay in the word. For some of you, you may be able to have that hot cup of coffee in the morning uninterrupted and an hour in the, in the word and praise God for that. For others of you, it may be little minutes throughout the day listening to the Bible on your phone or taping a scripture to your bathroom mirror. Whatever it is, let us not give up spending time in his word and hiding it in our hearts. Second, the habit of prayer. And I don't have anything against rote prayers before bed or before a meal. I believe those have their place, but I have found personally in my own walk with the Lord, it's the little prayers throughout the day that help me to abide in and remain in a relationship with him. Prayers like, Heavenly Father, would you please put a guard on my mouth before I say something I know I ought not to? Or, God, would you grant me peace and discernment as I make this decision? Father, more of you and less of me if I'm tempted to be selfish. Or one that we ought to pray throughout the day, because we all make mistakes. Father, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Would you put my sin as far as the east is from the west? And would you help me to repent and to continue following you? So we start with a posture of gratitude. We continue in scripture and prayer. And finally, worship. I love our worship team. I don't know if you've ever seen me over here, but I can raise a hallelujah (laughs) quietly with the best of them. But what about worship throughout your day and week? 
turn on a worship, music, or worship station as you're driving to work, or perhaps as you're folding laundry or doing dishes, both of which I am very familiar with. Or maybe you can sing a song of praise just in your heart. In fact, recently I have developed the habit you can ask my two oldest children when I am tempted to get a little bit in my flesh and maybe completely lose it on them, I will instead choose to sing Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. And they know that I am choosing, instead of losing my temper and giving in to the temptation of anger, to instead praise God and abide in him. So we have attitudes of gratitude. We stay in scripture, prayer, and worship. And finally, we'll continue reading in Philippians 4, 9, how Paul ends this section. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Put it into practice. Or in other words, that word we're not always a fan of, obey. We need to obey God if we want to have the peace of God. I don't know about you, but can you remember being a child and blatantly disobeying a teacher or a parent? Did you feel at peace? No, you're fearful and anxious, and what's going to happen when they finally figure out whatever it is that you did or did not do? But it's not just disobedience that can rob us of our peace. I believe more often it's delayed obedience. Is there anything that God has called you to do that you've been delaying obedience in? So let's walk in an abiding relationship with the Lord. Let's spend time in scripture, prayer, and worship. Let's obey what he has told us to do. And now that we can abide in this peace, we are called to be agents of peace. For the Lord. And if you're taking notes, that is point three on your outline. We are called to be agents of peace on behalf of God. And with that, I'll turn it back to Chris. Thank you. You see the Trinitarian nature here. It starts with peace with God, peace with God, but we walk in the peace of God every day because of our ongoing relationship with Him. And then the third, as Kelly gave us, Point number three, we are called to be agents of peace on behalf of God. You see, your ability to be an agent of peace, your ability to be a peacemaker, your ability to usher peace into even the most difficult of situations is directly related to the peace you have with God and the peace you are walking in every single day. In biblical terms, in biblical terms, we are either going to bring people together in peace, it's called reconciliation, or we are going to contribute to the separation that sin causes in our life. One of those two things. We're either going to walk in, walk in, have peace with God, walk in the peace of God, and therefore be agents of peace with those around us, or, or, or we're going to contribute by what we say and what we do and how we treat people to what sin is already doing in dividing people all around us. Peace like all of the fruit of the Spirit when they're broken down individually, peace is not stagnant. It's not just a state of being. It is active in your life. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 20, he said, for Christ's love compels us, notice that, compels us to do something. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised, from, or raised again. Verse 16. For from now on we regard no one from the worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. A change has happened. The old has gone. The new is here. Verse 18. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Peace with God. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation, agents of peace. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, we're Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We have this God who loves reconciliation. He loves people coming together in peace. We now have been given this ministry of reconciliation and we have this message of reconciliation because we have the Messiah of reconciliation. And the voice that God uses for this reconciliation is your voice to speak into people's lives when, you're, when you have the peace with God and walking in the peace of God, which means your voice is either going to speak in such a way that brings peace and reconciliation to your brothers and sisters around you, or it is going to contribute to the sin that is already at work destroying people. We live in such a self-centered, selfish, saturated world where most of the time we're only concerned about how those around me affect me. But I really believe we're called to so much more. I believe that when you're walking through life and you have peace with God, you're walking in the peace of God, you bring that peace into other people's lives. You bring that peace into every situation, every circumstance that you walk into. But when you do not have peace with God, when you are not walking in the peace of God, you cannot bring that peace into every situation and circumstance. Instead, what we do is we constantly live defensive, trying to keep people away because we don't want them to make our internal situation any worse. And what we discover is that sometimes the problem is not them, whoever they are, the problem is actually me. We actually push people away. We keep them at arm's length. We blame them. We shun them. We criticize them. But many times the problem is not them. The problem is me. Again, when you have peace with God, when you are walking in the peace of God, you bring that peace into every situation and even every conversation. There's this pseudo-peace that the world wants. It's fake peace. Major world religions have been built around this idea that, that I just need to have peace with God in some way. Just me and God, me and God. And so many times that's what we say. As long as me and God are good, I'm okay. There's no such thing, my friends. God did not set this thing up for just you and God to be good. He set it up for you to live in community with others. And so many times we just want to separate ourselves from other people and we just want me and God to be okay. And as long as me and God are okay, then I'm okay. The problem is you're not okay. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's these people around you and they're breathing and living. And you have to live with them. A non-religious professor did a study not too long ago. I heard about it a couple of weeks ago on the radio. 
This non-religious professor, and I qualify that to say this is not a religious study at all, this, this professor did this study, and what they did was they put focus groups together. They put people in these focus groups, and they told them to clear your mind. Clear your mind. Empty your mind of all the images you may have in your mind. And they said, we're going to give you a word, and that word is going to paint a picture in your mind. And whatever that picture is that comes to your mind, we want you to write that down and tell us. And they did this with tons of people. So they would get these focus groups together, and they would, they, they would say, clear your mind. Everybody clear your mind. You know, breathe deeply. You know, whatever. And, and clear your mind. And they said, here's the word. Here's the word. And the word they said was peace. Peace. This non-religious professor and her team were blown away absolutely blown away because because the vast majority of the people who participated in that study who sat there cleared their mind breathed in deeply and heard the word peace the the vast majority of them what they saw the picture they saw in their mind was a landscape it was a beach it was a mountain it was a meadow it was a stream and what blew their mind was people's idea of peace today does not involve other people. The problem is God created you to live in community, in relationship with people. And God's kind of peace that he wants you to have in your life involves people. So let's go back to my original question. Do you have peace? God's kind of peace. Do you have peace with God because your faith is in Jesus and what he has done? Do you, are you walking in the peace of God each and every day? That peace that saturates your life because of your ongoing relationship with him and are you an agent of peace, an ambassador of peace? Can you give that peace away to others and help bring reconciliation to those around you? That's God's kind of peace. You know, you know what kind of farmer you're talking to? When you discover what kind of seed they sow, right? People say, I'm a farmer. That can mean many things. It's like, what kind of farmer? Well, I do corn or soybean or whatever it is. The same is true spiritually in many ways. Spiritually speaking, the seeds that you are right now planting in other people's lives, well, they reveal what kind of seeds you have, and they reveal the kind of seeds that you have allowed to be planted into your life. You see, God's kind of peace, it's threefold, it's Trinitarian, it's with God, it's every single day, and it's something that we give away, but ultimately... This peace is seen in what we sow into other people's lives. You see, one way to answer the question, do you have peace, is to look at what you give, what you sow into other people's lives. And here's the thing. You cannot give away what you do not have. You can't give it away. You cannot sow seed you do not have. 
And so instead of asking you or leaving you with the question, do you have peace, I want to ask you the question, what kind of seed are you sowing in other people's lives? And is that really peace? I pray that it is. And my prayer is that we would be not just individuals, but the kind of church that sows the seeds of peace and reconciliation in a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Kelly, I want to invite you over, and would you close us in prayer as the worship team comes up? Let's pray. Don't you love it when people spring prayers on you? <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Chris. Ooh, peace. <clears throat> Let's pray. Oh, Father, you are so good. You are better than our words can ever say. God, we thank you that you willingly chose the cross, that you sent your son, that you love us and made a way for, for us to be at peace with you, that the Holy Spirit comes every day and helps us to abide in him and live lives of peace. And God, I pray that you would equip us, that you would empower us, that you would give us the power that rose Jesus from the dead to live that out every day, being agents of peace in the world around us. So we thank you today, God, that we get to gather together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.